0: Scheme to defraud in the first degree, conspiracy in the fourth degree, criminal tax fraud in the third degree, criminal tax fraud in the fourth degree, falsifying business records,
1: guilty on every charge that was brought.
0: Sad. So sad. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I can hardly talk, I'm i I so got to feeling something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California, and Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, Nicholsandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all around swell fellow, says me from Brad Blog. Com. Thank you very much for joining us today on uh, the broadcast. It is uh, quite a day. <clears throat>
2: <laughs> so to speak, for yes. For a change. For a Indeed. change. Uh,
0: well, it is uh, Election Day, by the way, in Georgia, as we go to air in the U.S. Senate runoff between Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and Trump's Looney Tunes Republican candidate, Herschel Walker. And while I have heard concerns today about Some vote by mail ballots not getting to election officials by the uh, deadline on Tuesday, which we're looking into. At least I have not yet heard anyway about problems with the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, which I guess is good. At least not yet. Yeah, I mean, well, we may never hear about it. That's the problem with those machines. There can be problems with it that you never know about. Anyway, uh, we won't know if the votes tallied from those systems actually reflect the intent of the Georgia voters. But, you know, I've mentioned that a time or two before. So uh, we will see. In any event, we'll have reported results from the runoff on our next broadcast and much more. See what I did there (laughs) Uh, as the critical Moore v. Harper uh, case, which could upend American elections as we know it much more as uh, that is heard by the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday morning, in which the Supremes could ultimately decide that voters and state laws and state constitutions and state Supreme Courts don't actually matter. That's what Republicans are actually arguing in this case, that it's instead up to the state legislatures and only state legislatures According to the ridiculous independent legislature theory that they have decided to find in the Constitution, it would be only up to state legislatures to decide the rules, basically, when it comes to federal elections, including partisan gerrymandering and, yes, who receives a state's electors in presidential elections. That's all that's before the court, the Supreme Court on Wednesday. We'll be talking about that in the days ahead, no doubt. That's uh, tomorrow and probably beyond on the broadcast. But as you heard at the top of the show, well, uh, we've got a big enough show uh, as is on the broadcast. Frankly, with breaking news just within the past hour that has forced me to shake up everything yet again today, I don't even know why I bother to prepare, frankly. <laughs>
2: it was a nice show you had prepared. I wish we could have done it.
0: It would have been great, wouldn't it? Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Um, so uh, just, uh, by the way, Des, in advance, I have no idea if or when I'm taking a break here. Okay. Because, uh, well, here we go. Let's just jump Roll right in. It. Uh, we've got for uh, good news uh, for a change, for happy change, uh, breaking up the news today. A criminal court Uh, A criminal court jury, I should say, in New York on Tuesday found the Trump organization guilty of all charges in a sweeping 15 year tax fraud scheme that prosecutors said was orchestrated by top executives at the company. Jurors deliberated for just over a day before returning the guilty verdicts on a total of 17 counts. One day of deliberation, 17 counts found guilty, including a scheme to defraud, conspiracy, criminal tax fraud and falsifying business records. The Trump organization faces roughly one point six million dollars in fines at sentencing. Now, that does not sound like a lot. I realize, but it could be trouble. For Donald Trump, regarding uh, companies like banks that he does business with, they could recall their bank loans if they want based on uh, based on this fraud, 17 counts of fraud uh, in this criminal verdict. And it could lead to further charges against Donald Trump himself, which I will get to uh, in a bit. Of course, companies cannot be sent to prison, so the Trump organization itself will not be going to prison, but the Uh, Trump Organization and its chief longtime uh, chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberger. They were indicted last year after a multi-year investigation into the company's financial practices by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Prosecutors allege that the organization paid their, quote, Already highly paid executives, including Weiselberg, even more by, quote, cheating on their taxes through a series of schemes that included off the books perks like luxury cars, free apartments, school tuition for Weiselberg's grandkids. All of that was never actually taxed as it was supposed to be, which is illegal, which is fraud the 75 year old Weiselberg who began working with the Trump organization when Trump's Donald Trump's father actually ran it, Weiselberg pleaded guilty previously to 15 felony charges back in August he was the prosecutor's star witness here in this trial. The company attorneys meanwhile argued that Weiselberg, who is still on the Trump organization's payroll, that he was the lone bad actor. They said this was all about the greed of Alan Weiselberg, and yet for some reason despite him having pled guilty to 15 felony charges, they've kept him on the payroll. Go figure. Uh, I guess they don't mind having a 15-count felon on the payroll, or I guess they would like him to keep as much of what he knows private, uh, Private, although uh, part of his uh, agreement with prosecutors was that he would have to testify against the company in this trial. So they blamed Weiselberg. Uh, saying he's the only guy who did anything wrong here. Making him take the fall. Making him take the fall, but the jury did not agree. They did not buy it. During his closing arguments, the prosecutor, Josh Steinglass, attempted to refute the claim that Trump himself knew nothing about this 15-year scheme. He showed jurors a lease that Donald Trump had signed for Weisselberg's company paid apartment and a memo that Trump himself initialed authorizing a pay cut for another executive who instead got perks that went untaxed. Quote, Mr. Trump is explicitly sanctioning tax fraud, Steinglass argued, begging the question, of course, as to why Trump was not prosecuted personally if he was explicitly sanctioning tax fraud, though charges against him could still come. As noted, the verdict does not end Donald Trump's battle with the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who has said that a related investigation of Trump that began under his predecessor, District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr., is, quote, active and ongoing. And again, we've got some more news on that coming up in a bit. But this is the first, just the first, of what I expect to be and have long expected to be of many guilty verdicts for Team Trump in the coming months and probably years as Donald Trump pretends that he's going to run for president in 2024. In any event, here's Harry Littman, the uh, Los Angeles Times Legal Affairs columnist, just after the verdict came in on MSNBC assessing the implications for Trump that could arise from the jury's guilty verdict and how it could affect other criminal and civil investigations into Trump and the Trump Organization.
1: The actual sentence against the corporation will be fines, but as much as it'll be up to the judge, they could be completely disabled. But there are ways that this really does have implications beyond the verdict directly for Trump and family. First, it tends to, I think, to put wind in the sails and embolden Attorney General, the Attorney General, not DA, Attorney General of New York, who has a civil suit against Trump organization that is putting a monitor in and is already basically taking control. This will make her range of remedies, I think, broader. Second, it will, I think, stiffen the spine of Alvin Bragg, the same DA who is just now re-beginning to uh, look at the criminal case that they that he um, threw away before involving Stormy Daniels, Michael Cohen, and the like. And third, just on the evidence in the trial, not only was the, the Trump stuff part of it, but it was actually joined at closing by the, by the um, defense. In other words, I think you can see this and law authorities will see this as a likely uh, determination by a jury of Trump's uh, involvement in the overall scheme.
0: So uh, Littman then went on to explain his own takeaway from uh, the the fast return of the verdict here in one day. I mean, this thing, uh, the trial went on for several weeks. It took the jury...
2: Yeah, on, on 17 counts, it took them to less than a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were one day, they returned the uh, guilty charges on all 17 counts. Here's Littman on that.
1: It's a criminal trial beyond a reasonable doubt. Had they really bought the claim that this was just Weiselberg on his own, presumably they would have come in with not guilty. And they not only came in with guilty, but quickly, as Andrew says. They really bought everything and quickly. I think that means that the case, they, they, this is the best mock jury exercise ever for a criminal trial. You have a real jury coming in quickly and persuaded.
0: And it is... Uh... It does answer some at least one concern that many, including myself, have had, which is that can you find a jury on which there is not one, you know, MAGA minion sitting there who will find not guilty on any particular thing? The answer, I guess, at least in this case, at least in New York state, at least when Donald Trump himself is not uh, facing uh, charges specifically, I guess the answer is yes.
2: It does appear to be so. You know, of course, you can try to extra- extrapolate from this particular jury verdict to all of the other criminal and civil probes that are facing Trump right now. But I think it's um it's a good sign.
0: It is a good sign. Those people, uh, you know, however, were not that jury was was not voting to send Donald Trump to jail. True. That's a very different story, and uh, hopefully we'll find out how that story works out in the days ahead. So consider this a warm-up act, frankly, for what is to come. For his part today, Trump, who was not charged personally in this case, at least not yet, he complained about it before the verdict came in. He complained about it on, uh, on social media on Tuesday morning. After falsely claiming on his uh, social media service, whatever we call that truth social thing, after falsely complaining that murder and violent crimes are at an all-time high in New York City.
2: Which is not true. They're not.
0: (laughs) uh, The disgraced former president said that the district attorney's office had been, quote, fighting a political witch hunt for D.C. against Trump. That dude really needs some, some new, new material. material. Yeah. yeah, don't he though. So there's your uh, breaking news, <clears throat> but that was that was not all the bad news for Donald Trump. As uh, as NBC blogger Steve Bennin described on Tuesday morning, this is prior to the verdict in the Trump organization's criminal fraud trial. Donald Trump has peddled ridiculous conspiracy theories about the elections for months. He's talked about being reinstated to the presidency for months. He's called for some kind of do over election for months. But on Saturday morning, Benin notes the Republican broke new ground with a specific Argument As we discussed yesterday on the program, the uh, former president, by way of his social media platform, made the case that his fictional, in other words, evidence-free claims about systemic voter fraud in the 2020 election are not only true, but they, in fact, he says, are so significant that they, quote, and this, this is the exact quote, quote, they allow for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Now, I, I, I love the uh, they allow for part. Oh, they allow, as if he's making some decree. The evidence of, of fraudulent elections, which I and only I can see, allow for the rules and the regulations and the articles, including in the U.S. Constitution itself, to be terminated. And so I declare it by decree As uh, as Benin writes, in other words, as Trump sees it, the rule of law and our constitutional system of government are all fine and good. But in this case, they should be put aside in order to advance his ridiculous evidence free election theory, conspiracy theories. Benin says it's an argument predicated on the idea that the laws that serve as the foundation. For the United States itself must be entirely discarded, at least temporarily, apparently for him only, because he says so. Because the former president has what Benin describes as bonkers ideas about the election that he lost two years ago, or at least wishes to continue pretending That he has such ideas. Bingo. I don't believe he
2: actually believes any of it. I think he's just tap dancing as fast as he
0: can. That's what I think. Uh, Benin writes, as the controversy intensified on Monday of the former president of the United States, decreeing that the U.S. Constitution must be, quote, terminated on his say so. And, uh, frankly, as most elected Republicans remained too ridiculously cowardly to condemn him for even that, these so-called constitutional conservatives who pretend that they love the Constitution, it must be protected at all costs, and it must come before everything else, except in cases you know, where a largely failed New York real estate tycoon says it must be completely terminated on his say-so. With all of that underway on Monday, the uh, former president went back to a social media platform to insist that he did not actually write what it was that he actually wrote. (laughs) He said, quote, the fake news is actually trying to convince the American people that I said I wanted to, quote, terminate the Constitution. This is simply more disinformation and lies. That's in all caps. So I scream it. What I said was that there is massive and widespread fraud and deception, as has been irrefutably proven in the 2020 presidential election. Steps must be immediately taken to right the wrong. Now, what were these steps, he said, must be, quote, immediately taken to right the wrong? Well, that would be, quote, termination Of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those founded in the Constitution. So so this isn't even, you know, difficult or, or controversial. It is actually what he said. It is what he wrote. It is still there in black and white. Last I checked, he hadn't even deleted it. So it's there in black and white because I guess you can't write in crayon on his social media site. And you can tell that he's getting more and more panicked by all of this. You can tell by the amount of all caps that he uses in the words that he writes. He, he used to just, you know, sort of capitalize. Remember that he would capitalize the first word of things that he thought to be important, like corrupt. With a capital C.
2: Yeah, the random capitalization is an English teacher's nightmare.
0: But lately he's been, you know, capitalizing entire words like disinformation and lies and massive and fraud and deception, all caps. That he, you know, claims that he didn't actually say what he said. Uh, but then followed he followed that up today with another statement. This time, the entire thing was all caps, and don't worry, I'm not going to yell it at you. <laughs> Thank you. But it is all caps. Uh, Simply put, if an election is irrefutably fraudulent, it should go to the rightful winner or at least at a minimum be redone. Where open and blatant fraud is involved, there should be no time limit for change. Now setting the argument itself aside uh, and about whether a you know fraudulent election should somehow be put aside at some time down the road even even where the law and the constitution does not allow for that there is here of course no such irrefutably fraudulent uh, evidence in any way, shape or form in the 2020 election. There is zero, in fact, certainly none that could have come close to changing the result in any state in the country whatsoever. So even if his argument that fraudulent election should somehow be put aside, even if we stipulated that idea, it does not even apply to the 2020 election in any way, shape or form. And moreover, it applies even less to the specific Twitter thread that led him to say we must terminate the Constitution. This was a Twitter thread regarding selective comments from executives at Twitter back in 2020 when they were struggling with, uh, you know, if and how to access, uh, they should give access to, to what they feared was hacked, Russian disinformation on their social network during the run-up to the 2020 election. As to the cowardly Republicans who are now unwilling to even condemn Trump when he's calling for the termination of the U.S. Constitution by way of just a few examples, Senator John Cornyn of Texas. Now, he used to be the second in command in the Senate Republican leadership after Mitch McConnell. He said Trump's rhetoric was, quote, irresponsible, but he wouldn't answer when he was asked if Donald Trump's statement should disqualify him from another White House bid. Someone who thinks the Constitution may be terminated at the whim of one person, should he be our presidential candidate in 2024? Apparently no problem for John Cornyn. Similarly, Senate Minority Whip John Thune who is currently the second in command in Republican leadership as the uh, Republican whip, he said, quote, of course, I disagree with that, unquote. But when he was asked about Trump's comments about, you know, the Constitution being terminated, the uh, South Dakota senator uh, also would not comment about the former president's 2024 comeback candidacy, saying he's, quote, just not going to go there at this point. Now, do you suppose if Joe Biden had said we should terminate the uh, Constitution that these Republican senators would just not go there at this point? They would just not uh, have a comment on whether they should be eligible to uh, be president of the United States? They
2: wouldn't let that go in this universe or any universe.
0: Right. So not going to go there actually means happy to have the leader of our party call for the termination of the U.S. Constitution. It's no biggie. Please send us money to help us get elected and make that happen. So, yeah, these are kind of crazy times and we should take them seriously. These Republicans, when they tell us who they are and what they believe in or what they don't believe in. And yet, even though. Trump has declared his candidacy for 2024. As I have mentioned before, I actually have a difficult time believing that he will become the nominee, much less actually run in the primaries. I think he may have, you know, may well drop out of the race by the time we get around to those, but we will see. He may keep his name on the ballot and, you know, not actually campaign. Now, why do I say that? Well... For all of you liberal snowflakes out there who are triggered by Trump's nonsense about all of this, let me please encourage you: do not be triggered. I I, I believe, in fact, you can rejoice about where things are now. At least rest easier, easier with each passing day. Right now, and that was before, uh, you know, setting aside this uh, this verdict against seventeen. 17- Uh, guilty verdicts against Trump's company. I think you should rest easier with each passing day right now. As I asked on Twitter very late last night, and you can find me and follow me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog, I said, has anyone ever, and I should have explicitly added, in all of human history— Literally, has anyone ever been investigated for so many different crimes in so many different places, all at the very same time as Trump is now uh, being investigated? I said, it's a serious question. And can anybody think of anybody who has ever been investigated for that many crimes, different crimes in different places by different people? I would really like to know. If you have any ideas, let me know on Twitter. I am the blog, or you can uh, drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Maybe I'm missing somebody. Maybe there was, but I, 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 I don't know who. The number, the number, the sheer volume of serious probes and crimes that he is now facing, uh, facing very real accountability for, in fact, would you know would require more than a full hour of our time to detail properly on this program seriously and i don't mean that as snark for example just last month and uh, and this was early last month so there's probably a new allegation since then but citizens for ethics and responsibility in washington known as crew Uh, They've been keeping a database to track all of these. They reported, uh, quote, New evidence has emerged that former President Donald Trump likely made false representations in December of 2020 to a Georgia federal court as part of his own efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Trump, they write, could be charged with the federal crimes of perjury, or filing a false declaration for this conduct, which is the 56th criminal offense that he has been credibly accused of since first seeking the office of president. 56 they have tracked. They cite a case in which a federal judge in California recently determining whether emails from one of Trump's most corrupt right-wing attorneys, John Eastman, Uh, whether those could be turned over to the House January 6th committee because the judge found that uh, several more of the emails from John Eastman that the judge had reviewed were not, in fact, protected by attorney-client privilege because of the so-called crime fraud exception, which means that emails found to be in furtherance of a crime between an attorney and his client that those may not be protected by the special attorney-client privilege. In this case, U.S. District Judge David Carter concluded these records, quote, demonstrate an effort by President Trump and his attorneys to press false claims in federal court for the purpose of delaying the January 6th vote. So this was back in December 2020 in hopes of delaying the vote uh, to certify the Electoral College in uh, in January of 2021, January 6th. Judge Carter quoted an email in which Eastman wrote, quote, Although the president signed a verification for the state court filing back on December 1, he has since been made aware that some of the allegations and evidence proffered by the experts has been inaccurate for him to sign a new verification with that knowledge would not be accurate. Judge Carter concluded for the court that the documents showed that, quote, President Trump knew that the specific numbers of voter fraud were wrong, but he continued to tout those numbers both in court and to the public, unquote, according to the judge. Therefore, the court concluded that they were, quote, sufficiently related to and in furtherance of a conspiracy to defraud the United States in violation of 18 U.S.C. Section 371. So that was credible crime number 56, at least in Cruz's database of all of this. That was at the beginning of November. There could have been more by then. Uh, and that database does not include the various civil crimes and lawsuits which uh, Donald Trump is currently facing and there are tons of those so crime number 56 President Trump's perjury in a Georgia federal court according to Crewe now Trump may evade accountability for some of these crimes some of these 56 as uh, as as Crewe now sees them but not for all of them no way Is he going to evade accountability for all of them, at least unless he pulls a Ken Lay? Do you know what that is?
2: I was going to say, why don't you tell the audience what you mean by a Ken Lay? Well, Ken
0: Lay, for those who don't remember, is, of course, the CEO of Enron. Uh, who just sort of up and died before he could be sent to prison for any of his many crimes uh, running that particular company. He was a close friend of George W. Bush. He committed all sorts of fraud, bankrupted this company. And then before he could be held accountable, he died. But short of that, Donald Trump does not escape accountability, in my opinion, even if he can figure out how to become president again. And is somehow allowed to pardon himself from the federal crimes that he faces or uh, in the event even that another Republican like, let's say, Ron DeSantis becomes president and decides to pardon Trump for all of these federal crimes whether he's been charged, found guilty for them or not. And if you have any doubt that the next Republican president, whoever it may be, would absolutely do that, just take a look at all of these Republican senators who are asked, hey, do you think Donald Trump should be, uh, you know, is he still a valid Republican candidate for president of the United States even after calling for the termination of the U.S. Constitution? And they're like, "Well, well, I don't know, no comment on that. Sure, maybe, why not? But so that, you know, absolutely can and will happen if another Republican becomes president. But those are just some of the cases uh, in, in which he's you know currently being targeted, those federal cases. There are state cases as well. And presidential pardons do not get Donald Trump off the hook for personal violations of state laws. And while you're familiar with the current investigation underway in Georgia by the Fulton County District Attorney there, Fonnie Willis, into Trump's apparently uh, criminal conspiracy to strong arm election officials into changing the outcome of the 2020 election in Georgia to help him steal the presidency. And you're probably familiar with the $250 million civil fraud lawsuit that's already brought against Trump and his company and his kids. Eric, Don Jr., and Ivanka. And, of course, the guilty verdict by a jury on Tuesday, just before air, against the Trump Organization for 17 counts and its chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, for 15 counts in the criminal tax fraud case brought against uh, both of them, the company and Weisselberg, uh, by the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. Well, as of Monday, we learned that there could be more criminal charges to come directly against Donald Trump in New York via Alvin Bragg. And for that, let's take a quick break, quick breather. I could use one and we will come back <laughs> with that and, yes, other federal trouble That, yes, Donald Trump could also uh, (laughs) be facing.
2: It's an accountability festival.
0: That's straight ahead along with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial.
2: Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
1: Breaking the, law, breaking the law, breaking the law. Breaking the law, breaking the law. Well Judas
0: breaking Priest, welcome back to the Bradcast, breaking Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Desi Doyon, what did you call it, our accountability festival? Uh, festival festival today. of Accountability. There you go, yes. Festival of Accountability today. The festival continues uh, following the uh, guilty verdicts on all 17 counts against the Trump organization in the criminal trial against the organization and their chief financial officer brought by the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg. But apparently Alvin is not done. At least I hope this from the New York Times last night, the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, is hiring a former senior Justice Department official with a history of taking on Donald J. Trump and his family business as the office seeks to ramp up its criminal investigation into the former president himself. And so not just his company, but him personally. The official, Matthew Colangelo, who, before he became a top official at the Department of Justice, he happened to lead the New York Attorney General's civil inquiry into Donald Trump. He is likely to become one of the leaders of the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal inquiry into the former president. The higher they report marks the latest turn in a long-running investigation that has proceeded in fits and starts. I'll say, uh, when uh, Bragg took over the office back in January of this past year of 2022, his predecessor, predecessor, Cy Vance, had already directed prosecutors to begin presenting evidence about Trump's inflation of his assets, his business assets, to moneylenders and so forth. Inflating it, you know, when it came to uh, borrowing money, deflating it when it came to paying taxes or buying insurance and so forth. So Vance had already given Bragg, I'm sorry, Vance had already given the prosecutors in his office the go ahead to present this information to a grand jury. But Vance left at the end of 21 and Alvin Bragg took over the office in 2022 and he put the kibosh on all of that. And that led those two prosecutors to resign. These were senior prosecutors in February. He told them that uh, he was not prepared to authorize charges against the president. So the former president. So they resigned and then the entire inquiry became cloudy and who knew what was going to happen with it. And we still don't know what will happen with it. But Bragg insisted the whole time that that criminal probe against Donald Trump himself would continue. And in fact, in recent months, his uh, prosecutors have renewed their focus on the hush money scheme to uh, pay off porn star Stormy Daniels, who said that she had an affair with Donald Trump. So Colangelo, the new hire at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, his work in the New York Attorney General's Office— could also be relevant here in his new job in Manhattan, where prosecutors have also scrutinized whether the former president illegally inflated the value of his assets, which is what the New York Attorney General, Letitia Letitia James, already looked at and in September filed a $250 million civil lawsuit for. Accusing the former president of overvaluing his assets by billions and billions of dollars. And that's what he's facing this $250 million suit for, along with his kids, Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric. Uh, And the company itself. But that's a civil suit. Right.
2: That's just keeping it straight. The one that the New York Attorney General is doing is a civil suit. The one the Manhattan DA is doing is a criminal suit. Correct. On the same idea of charges of bank, tax, and insurance fraud.
0: But, uh, so while the lawsuit has been brought down for $250 million against the Trump Organization and Trump and his kids and so forth, uh, from the... Attorney General, the state attorney general, the district attorney's office has yet to bring criminal charges for those very same things against Donald Trump. And they might now that they have Mr. Colangelo on board who had worked with the attorney general's office to bring the civil suit over those very same things. And by the way, Bragg also used to work at the AG's office along with Colangelo. Uh, At the same time, they were working in the New York AG's office. Bragg had risen to become the chief deputy AG at the time. Colangelo was the chief counsel for federal initiatives. And in that role, Colangelo led dozens of lawsuits against the Trump administration, including a successful challenge to the inclusion of a question about citizenship on the census in 2020. So this Colangelo guy, he knows Donald Trump pretty well. He also oversaw the investigation of Trump's charity at the attorney general's office. That's the Trump Foundation. And the attorney general's probe there led to the organization being shut down entirely because it was so corrupt. And, you know, prevented Donald Trump and his kids from ever serving, I think, on another charitable organization ever again. And Colangelo also led that office's civil inquiry into Trump's financial practices, which then resulted in the September lawsuit. Got it. Colangelo's uh, statement now that he is being hired by the Manhattan D.A., where they do criminal prosecutions, Colangelo said in a statement, quote, assisting with the Manhattan District Attorney's focus on financial crimes will promote confidence in the legal system by making clear that the same rules apply to everyone, no matter how powerful. Now, he didn't have to say that.
2: (laughs) He did not.
0: In his uh, statement, but he did. So make of it what you will. I make of it as a very encouraging sign. And again, if charged under New York state criminal law, no president, no future Republican president or Democratic president, I suppose, no president could pardon Donald Trump for those state crimes for which he could go to jail. But wait, there is more today (laughs) when it comes to the potential criminal prosecution of Donald Trump for... uh, Well, at this point, take your pick. The bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol will make criminal referrals to the U.S. Justice Department as it wraps up its probe and looks to publish a final report by the end of the year. That, according to the panel's chairman, on Tuesday. Congressman Benny Thompson, the Democrat from Mississippi, told reporters that the committee has decided to issue the referrals recommending criminal prosecution to the Justice Department. But, but he did not disclose who the targets will be or if former President Donald Trump will be one of them. Thompson told reporters at the Capitol on Tuesday, quote, at this point, there will be a separate document coming from me to the DOJ with those criminal referrals separate from the report. So I suppose these criminal referrals could just, you know, be to some of those witnesses who defied subpoenas like Steve Bannon, who faces two months in prison very soon for having been uh, found guilty of doing that. Or Donald Trump, who also defied subpoenas from the committee. He could face the same charges of contempt of Congress for doing so. Or criminal and or, I should say, I guess, criminal referrals uh, for those who lied to the committee during their testimony. Or, of course, the panel could also make recommendations of criminal charges such as things like seditious conspiracy, like those charges that the Oath Keepers were just found guilty of. I think it was last week. Wasn't it last week? It was. Uh, And now they, by the way, face potentially decades in prison for sedition and seditious conspiracy. So Congressman Thompson said the chair, Chairman Thompson, said the committee was uh, meeting on Tuesday later to discuss the details of who and what. A spokesman for the select committee told the AP, quote, the committee will make decisions about specifics in the days ahead. In the meantime, the decision to issue Referrals is not entirely unexpected. That is exactly what Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Republican from Wyoming, in her final days in the House, uh, the uh, she's the vice chair of the committee. She has for months been hinting that the uh, at, at sending the DOJ these criminal referrals based on the extensive evidence that the nine-member bipartisan panel has gathered and. You know, she really, really wants to uh, see Trump. As much as I'd like to see him held accountable, I suspect Liz Cheney may wish to see him (laughs) held accountable even more. I don't know. So Congress can send criminal referrals to the DOJ, but it will be up to the prosecutors themselves whether to pursue charges. So in truth, the referrals are, you know, sort of a bit of a formality. They're for history's sake, if nothing else. Folks familiar with the uh, DOJ said that they would uh, certainly give due consideration to any such referrals that come from a congressional committee like this. But in either case, the DOJ is apparently quite familiar with the work of the uh, January 6th committee, even if they don't send these for referrals. With the select committee now set to dissolve at the end of the year, lawmakers do not appear to be putting up a fight of any sort to secure Donald Trump's testimony but again, his criminal referral, as Cheney and others have suggested, could be a much more powerful closing argument. On top of all of that, before we get to Des and the Green News report, AP notes in its coverage that Donald Trump is facing more serious legal challenges away from Capitol Hill, including the Mar-a-Lago investigation focused on the mishandling that's a nice way to put it ap the mishandling (laughs) of top secret documents
2: i think they mean theft i think you mean theft he stole them ap
0: i went to uh the bank today with a gun and i mishandled a few thousand dollars (laughs) that they handed me uh but that is not all from tuesday special counsel jack smith who was recently placed in charge of both the stolen documents case, AP, or the mishandled documents, uh, and in charge of the DOJ's January 6th investigation, well, he has now subpoenaed officials in Wisconsin and Michigan and Arizona and Pennsylvania asking for any communications with or involving former President Donald Trump. Now, Georgia is not listed here for some reason, and I'm not sure why. And maybe that's because Fonnie Willis, the district attorney, is also already aggressively uh, investigating and prosecuting that particular case. But he asked for documents. Uh, so he didn't ask. He demanded with a subpoena documents from officials in Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, and Pennsylvania, seeking communications with or involving former President Donald Trump, his campaign aides, and a whole list of allies involved in. His efforts to try to steal the 2020 election, the requests, according to The Washington Post, were issued to Milwaukee and Dane counties in Wisconsin, Wayne County, Michigan, that's Detroit, Maricopa County, Arizona, that's uh, Phoenix, Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, and uh, that's Pittsburgh and uh, are the first known subpoenas by Jack Smith himself since being named a special counsel last month. Weeks ago now to uh, uh, to oversee uh, this investigation and the documents investigation by Merrick Garland. The subpoenas were first reported by the Post. They are the clearest indications yet that Smith's work will include an examination of the fake electors that were part of Trump's efforts to steal the election. Milwaukee County Clerk George Christensen said that he received the subpoena on Monday. He's working with the county's attorneys to comply with the request as soon as possible. Dane County Clerk, that's Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Scott McDonald, said that he received a similar subpoena on December 1, asking for communications he had with the, quote, gang of people you would sort of expect That would be, as I see it, uh, uh, actually, as I saw it cleverly described, I think, yesterday, uh, that would be the folks in Trump's MAGA cinematic universe.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, McDonald said, I don't have any stories of Trump calling me at dinner like the other guys. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson confirmed that Wayne County, Detroit, had received a subpoena from Jack Smith but did not provide additional details. Benson said in a statement sent to AP, quote, we welcome and support the work of any law enforcement agency working to ensure full accountability for efforts to illegally overturn the fair and accurate results of Michigan's 2020 election. Maricopa County, Phoenix, also received a subpoena and will comply, according to a spokesperson there in Pennsylvania, Allegheny County, the uh, state's second most populous county and, and home to Pittsburgh, received a subpoena as well. That was confirmed by a spokesperson. Well, welcome aboard, Jack Smith. Game on. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Brandblog.com. I told you there was going to be plenty for those liberal snowflakes to feel better about today, right? Yes, the if you can't feel good about all of all of that.
2: If you can't feel good about some accountability actually coming forth.
0: Then you can't feel anything at all. <laughs> all right, where are we? What now? What do we do now, Des?
2: It's time for the latest Green News Report.
0: The individual that done this. It was targeted it wasn't random.
2: fbi investigating coordinated attack on electric grid in north carolina
0: A fresh barrage of Russian rockets has knocked out more critical energy infrastructure in Ukraine.
2: Russian attacks on civilian targets deepen Ukraine's energy crisis. Plus, electric vehicle sales are surging in the U.S. and around the world.
0: All of those electrifying stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Researchers have now reanimated a so-called zombie virus that has lain dormant under the Arctic ice for nearly 50,000
1: years. Yeah, now the good news is that Joe Biden is immune. He already had it as a kid. <laughs> Ouch, this is your Green News Report.
2: I'm gonna soak up the sun.
0: Okay, Daisy Dorian, this is a fascinating story. Out of North Carolina, a disturbing one as well.
2: Oh, indeed it is. A state of emergency and a mandatory curfew have been declared in Moore County, North Carolina, after coordinated simultaneous attacks seriously damaged two electric grid substations on Saturday night, triggering a widespread blackout, knocking out power, traffic lights, Internet and cell service to about 40,000 households. The damaged substations will take days to repair amid plummeting ter- Temperatures. Officials say the two substations were hit by gunfire from assailants who knew what and where to strike. But officials stopped short of calling it a domestic terrorism incident. The FBI has joined the investigation. Here's Moore County Sheriff Ronnie Fields in a Sunday news conference.
0: We faced something last night here in Moore County that uh, we've never faced before. And I can promise you to the perpetrators out there. We will find you. Well, I hope they will find them. How many times have we driven around, seen these substations, and thought, well, that seems like a good place for a terror attack. How can it be that we spent billions and trillions of dollars and didn't put cameras inside our substations?
2: Indeed. In January, a Homeland Security advisory warned about increased domestic terror threats to the power grid, and they specified right-wing extremists. Go figure. In other news, Russia unleashed an eighth wave of missile attacks on Ukraine's power infrastructure on Monday, killing civilians and plunging millions of people into darkness, depriving them of heat, power and water as winter temperatures drop below zero. Ukrainian and Western leaders quickly condemned the renewed strikes as war crimes because of the harm done to the civilian
0: population. And because they're war crimes.
2: Global oil prices spiked on Monday after the OPEC plus oil cartel, which includes Russia, held to plans to cut production to counter a move by Western nations on Friday to cap the price of Russian crude at $60 a barrel. The West's complex plan is intended to avoid global supply shortfalls while also curbing what Russia, the world's second largest oil exporter, can charge for its oil exports to curb its ability to finance its brutal war in Ukraine. Finland's Prime Minister Sanna Marin said the energy restrictions on Russia are necessary to prevent emboldening other rogue nations. Make no mistake, if Russia wins, Others will also be tempted by the same dark agenda. Swiss Re estimates that climate change intensified extreme weather disasters have cost the global economy $260 billion in 2022 so far. Top disasters include Hurricane Ian in Florida, listed as the costliest single disaster in 2022. The report also cited other expensive disasters like the most severe hailstorms ever observed in Europe last spring and torrential rains in Australia Australia that have caused widespread flooding. Back in the U.S., the Biden administration late last week declared the northern long-eared bat endangered in a last-ditch effort to save the species that has been driven to the brink of extinction by white-nose syndrome, a fungal disease Mm. which has spread throughout the Northeast.
0: So good news about bad news.
2: And finally, electric vehicle sales are surging. Battery-powered cars now make up the fastest-growing segment of the auto market. Cool. With sales jumping 70% in the U.S. alone in the first nine months of this year, really? over the same period in 2021. Wow. During the same period, sales of conventional cars and trucks fell by 15%. Womp womp. Bloomberg News projects that EVs will be cheaper than conventional gasoline cars within the next five years, and automakers Hyundai, General. Motors and Ford have joined a growing group of automakers that are bundling sales of home energy products and services with their electric vehicles, things like solar panels and home sized battery storage, as part of their transition.
0: I can think of about 45,000 people in Moore County, North Carolina, who could use that sort of tech right around now. It's all about the power, ain't it?
2: In more ways than
0: one. I see what you did there. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. All I need a little... Thank you very much, Desiree.
2: Yes, really quick. One data point that came in after we laid down today's Mm -hmm. Green News report was that the Chinese electric vehicle market is, like, exploding. One in four new cars is now electric in the sales in China. Uh-huh. And to, just for comparison, in the first uh, quarter of 2020, just 3% of Chinese car sales were electric vehicles. That was 2020. Mm-hmm. Here in 2022, in the first quarter, the sales were 26%. So it went from 3 to 26
0: So just to be clear, that's the electric vehicle, uh, electric car market that is exploding. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Not the actual electric cars Yes please okay. Thank you for that clarification I, no, I want to Make sure, yeah, no, make sure people right. were clear about that uh, all right, we, have, we have got to get out My <laughs> thanks as ever to Desi and Our producer uh, And to all of you For spending a portion of your day or night with us It's always appreciated Always our honor If you missed any portion of today's program Or any other or just want to hear it again Or share it with someone you know and love or hate You can stop by bradblog.com That is all made possible by those of you who uh, support our work by hitting on that donate button at bradblog.com or going straight to bradblog.com slash donate drop me email if you like I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters you will find me at the TheBradBlog and a reminder we will have whatever is available of the Georgia runoff Senate election results and anything else on our next thrilling Bradcast along with news, whatever it may tend to be, concerning Moore v. Harper, that terrible case at the U.S. Supreme Court. You can look forward to that or not <laughs> uh, on our next broadcast. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.